4: All right, here with Kickoff Kevin. Tell me about Spencer Crandall. I came across him when I actually did a previous artist, Shaylin. She was in a video with him, they did a song together, and I was like, who is this guy? And he reached out a couple times. I saw an interview with him. I liked his charismatic like energy. He seemed like a fun guy. And then I found out about his story. It was similar to mine. He played college football, D2. He was forced to stop playing because of an injury, and then he picked up a guitar. And were you injured? Yeah, I had concussion. That's, that's issues. why you stopped. Yeah, probably been in the league by now, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Dang. <laughs> so we talked about that and how you know kind of changed us, and then he picked up a guitar, and the rest is history.
0: So Spencer Crandall, this is season two, episode ten of Unsigned and Independent. Uh, the guy's from Colorado, Denver guy. Denver guy. Yeah. Is he a Bronco fan? He yes. Nuggets. Yeah. Talk oh, about man. that what a little bit. What a year. What a last few years to be a Denver fan. It's been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the Nuggets never winning, and then finally winning. That's awesome, especially if you've been a fan for a long time. So now I like the guy. because <laughs> he if He's a diehard Denver fan. They've had some rough years. Uh, he went on tour with Chris Lane and Morgan Wallen in 2016 while he was still in school. Yeah. That's funny. He said in between shows, he'd be doing homework while they were partying. <laughs> Spencer has used the algorithm of social media to his advantage and tried to hone in. It, it, it's a business. He talks about it's a business. You know who else does it really well is... Warren Ziders, you know, he really has not figured it out, but he really has figured out how to use social media as a business and really hit people over and over again. It's a craft. Yeah. Niche. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. Okay. Here we go. So let's do it. Unsigned and independent. It's Spencer Crandall here with Kickoff Kevin. I was doing some homework on you a little bit here, Mm -hmm.
4: and I found out that we actually have something, a couple things in common. Go on. And the main thing I found out was, and we're one of many, I'm sure, but I just said it was interesting, you're the first artist I've had in here play college football. Uh Uh-huh. I played college football myself. Really? What what position? Tight end. Nice. Yeah, what'd you play? I went to go play defensive
5: line, and then I got there, and I was wildly undersized by the time I got there, because I'd cut weight for wrestling and stuff my senior year, so they're like, maybe try a different position, and then shortly after I hurt my shoulders and all that stuff. And where'd you play at? Colorado Mesa, go okay. Mavs, a little D2
4: football, and it was go. so
5: fun, but yeah, I got hurt, and then here we
4: are. <laughs> so same, I played D2. Okay, nice. Um, I had uh, I had six concussions in an eight-year span, so I had to stop playing. Yeah. So that's what I mean by it's look similar here, you know yeah. what I mean? And now look at us, living in Nashville, Yeah. Dang. and you're making music, I'm talking about music, <laughs> and what was that college experience like for you then when you had to force a quit? because for me, I mean, it still haunts me, I don't even really like to talk about it. Just because I feel like it's such a crappy way to go out. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, it sucks because there's this whole career. You spend like a decade of your life pouring into the gym and and coaches and all this stuff. And then it's kind of just over. Yep. Like in a snap. So it's really, it's kind of trippy. And then there's this like dark period of time. I think this is a, something that people don't talk about a lot or or maybe just don't know is your identity is so tied to sports. Like you go to a party and people are like, what do you do? I didn't say my major. I said I'm a football player, right? Exactly. So all of a sudden when people are like, what do you do? Or who are you? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who I am. So there was like a, a recovery period of kind of going, okay, what do I do? What do I want to do for the rest of my life? And it was really tough. I think, you know, lucky for me, that's exactly when I found music. So um, it all worked out. But yeah, there's a a weird like little asterisk next to my career. It feels like that I don't love. That's like, oh yeah, and I couldn't keep playing.
4: Exactly. Know? And that's, I think that's what it is, especially as uh, athletes or a lot of people just take pride in whatever they do. I don't want to be told I can't do something. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be forced to quit something or be, you know, it's my decision. I feel like yeah, you everything. You do it on
5: your own terms, yes. right?
4: And with injuries, it's just over. Yeah, And there's no, like, closure, really.
5: You can't go get one last play. You can't play one last game like you want to, right? It's just, it's done. So it was really, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it, for for a lot of guys, you pour like I said, like a decade of your life mm-hmm. into this game. You're learning about it. And and we'd all be crazy to think, or I guess we would all almost be embarrassed to admit, but there's a part of this that you're like, I want to go get a shot at the league. I want something crazy to happen where I have this incredible season. I can keep playing, like make football a career. And then it's just all over. Right. And, a snap.
4: and what was that like for you? And we'll get into your music in a second here, but just kind of more on a personal level. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I remember when I had to realize it, and I went and talked to my coach and I told him, hey, this is not going to happen anymore. And I had a, about a day or so where I was just kind of in the dumps, man. I was emotional. And like you were saying, at the snap of the finger, you're like, wait, no, this is done. It can't be. How yeah, was how, how this? You know what I mean? So how'd you handle that? I remember
5: going up to my coach. Luckily, I have I had an awesome coach in Coach Martin at uh, Mesa. He was awesome. And I went up to him and I, I was crying in his office. And I was like, dude, I can't play anymore. And I don't know what to do about this. And luckily he was... He sat me down. He's like, dude, football is not life. Like we play this game because it's fun and you, there's all these life lessons and obviously you can pay for your school and these incredible things. But you got to figure out what life looks like because most guys and gals, like athletes in general, right? You can max play to like you're 30, even if you're a pro. And then most of us are done and there's still two thirds of life left. And that's what he was pointing at. And so I spent a lot of time wondering what those next two thirds were going to be. I remember in my dorm room, just like, I didn't really leave my room for like a full 24 hours. I think I was mm-hmm. just sitting there in the dark and watching a movie and my roommate came in. And he's like, what's going on? I told him I had to get this other shoulder surgery and called my parents. That was like a really rough day in my life. And you know, if I hadn't had that happen, I don't have what I have now. So I don't regret anything, but it is a, it's a darker time. And I wish there was like some sort of support group for athletes getting out yeah, of, yeah. Uh, action. Cause a lot of people, you know, they, they don't know how to handle that identity switch.
4: And I sure, certainly didn't. It was crazy. Right. And even if you, you said, you like you said, you play up to college and or if you're a 10-year vet in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. everybody, you hear about it, but until you have to go through it yourself, you don't truly understand it. And that transition can be very tough. I mean, it took me five years after all that to figure out maybe this is something I want to do as far as broadcasting and all that. You know yeah. what I mean? So that transition for me was a long one. But like you said, it got me where I am today. So I'm grateful grateful for it all. And I'm happy but you didn't pick up a guitar or start singing or anything till college? No, I mean, it's a weird
5: story. So my, my high school does a thing called the senior project. And it's <laughs> like, you got to pick like a learning stretch and learn something and get a mentor. And I just didn't want to do like what all my friends were doing. They were like, yeah, I'm going to go into orthopedic surgery. So I'm going to go shadow this person. And I was like, no, that sounds like me. Um, but I love music. I was such a mu- music fan. So I just decided, okay, I'm going to write a song and learn to play the guitar. So I literally learned like three chords and I wrote this little song and um, it was super fun. I passed my senior project, thank, thank God. And, uh, but I went to go play college football. I didn't think about it again. And so all of a sudden I had this little Walmart guitar that I stole from my little brother that I brought up to college and I had lost football. at So I had hours on hours on my hands and I was sad and I just wanted to fill my time. I didn't want to think about it. So I would sit on YouTube and I would just learn a chord. And I'd learn another chord. And now I learned a few chords. Now I learned some covers. And then I think I really got the bug. I, like, got brave enough to write a song again, like, after my senior project. And I was Mm. like, this is just fun, man. (laughs) But I didn't think that it was, like, a thing people could do. I didn't think, you know, when you think of, like, Kenny Chesney, it's like, that's impossible. I could never make money with songs or anything like that. And I started posting online. Um... And again, it wasn't anything crazy. It was one follow, two follows. And then I just remember all of a sudden I had like 125,000 followers on Instagram as like a junior in college just by posting covers. And people would say, um, Hey, next time you're in town, let's write. And I was like, where's town? Like, what, <laughs> what is this magical musical town that everyone's right. talking about? And they're like, it's Nashville. So you got to come take a trip and went out there in like August, 2016, and I just never went home. I just, I was like, this is so freaking cool. It feels like I'm on summer break. And that's what my dad always told me. He's like, dude, find something that it feels like you're getting away with it. Like, I get to go into work. I get to write a song today. Mm -hmm. And that is work. That's like the coolest feeling in the world. So it's like free drugs. It's the best thing
4: in the world. (laughs) It's It's a healthy drug, right? It is. A very healthy drug. So you, did you visit here and then you just stayed or did you visit here and you're like, you know what? I like this. I go in and grab my stuff and I'm coming back.
5: I went a few times. I guess I came out in January um, for the first time. And then my last trip was like in July And I just told my parents, I'm like, I got to get out there as soon as possible. So my buddy, Tyler Rich, who's an artist out here, Mm -hmm. he had a a buddy moving out at the same time. So we were next door neighbors with him. And he's like, just do it, man. What's the worst thing that could happen, right? Like you move out here for a year. It doesn't work out. You got to move home. So my deal with my parents was if I finished college, they would continue to like help me pay rent. So I was like, my rent's actually cheaper in Nashville than it is at Colorado State. So if you let me move and I'll finish my degree, which I did, Mm -hmm. Um, will you support me for the first year while I'm in Nashville just trying to figure stuff out? So I did. I would, um, it was actually funny. I got super lucky and I got picked up on this tour with Chris Lane. Actually, Morgan Wallen was a support at the time. It was 2016, dude. (laughs) Wow. And um, I remember I would be typing papers before I go on stage and then afterwards they're like, yo, bus party on Chris's bus. And I'm like, I have homework so I can't, (laughs) like it was such a weird time in my life but I had to do it and I had to like, just kind of make some sacrifices to get out there as soon as I could. How long were we out with them? Oh uh, man, so the the kind of quick version of the story is Tyler Rich introduced me to Chris Lane because they were on tour with Dustin Lynch at the time. So we were all at a barbecue and I ran into Chris. We got to talking and I just like he went to the bathroom and I looked up his tour schedule. I saw he was playing in Denver. So I was like, I'm gonna throw a Hail Mary here. Just at the end of this conversation. So Chris, what's up, dude? Um, you know what's crazy? You're playing in Denver. I'm already going to be in Denver. I'm from Denver. I'll free acoustic open. I've got a little Instagram following. If you want um, help bring out the family and friends, whatever, no pressure. He's like, dude, of course. Absolutely. We had hit it off. So he invites me to play that show. I guess I didn't screw it up enough to where he said, yeah, man, why don't you hop on the rest of the tour? I can't pay you, but if you want to hop on this tour, so yeah, again, it was Chris Lane, and then uh, a young mulletless Morgan Wallen wow. in 2016. Oh, it still the
4: long uh, straight hair. Yeah, he had Morgan like the Wallen? middle part, yes, and uh, it was yes. definitely
5: more like a leather cuff vibe than the the cut off sleeves at the time. And, yes, and it's crazy, man. I, I remember he sang Whiskey Glasses on that tour, and this is not like a knockup, but people were going to the bathroom. Like mm-hmm. nobody knew who who he was, right? So I'd watch him every night. He'd hold out the mic. People would go to sing the bridge and he'd just like bring it back. Like no one's singing along. And like three years later with my girlfriend at the time, I went to my hometown amphitheater. 18,000 people screaming that same bridge back to the point where they had to cut the tracks, like let them keep singing because they sang it like 15 times over him. And then when he was done, people were like leaving. It was like craziest turnaround or like I guess boost in career I've ever seen in my life. And it was crazy to watch Every night, this, like, little artist who was kind of, you know, plucking along and Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. Boom. Up, down comes out, and it just felt like it never stopped. And still, me and my my manager, Jeff, were always talking about, like, can you believe that guy that was (laughs) we were on that tour with is Morgan freaking Wallen? Like,
4: you know what I mean? It's just crazy, that turnaround. I actually saw a video. It's funny you bring that up because I saw a video, and it might have been, like, around the same time. I think it said 2018, but maybe 16. He was on a stage, like, in a parking lot somewhere, Mm -hmm. and I think he was singing Whiskey Glasses. And he did that same thing, and then it transitioned to now, (laughs) him on tour this year. Yeah. And it was, like, just picked up right where the song left off in the original video. Insane. And it was, it's like, like you said, nothing you've ever seen before. You're like, wait, how does this get from this to this? Which just goes to show, like, you gotta just be authentic. Because I think, I think him and even
5: Seth, like, his manager would say this, like, they were doing a thing, but it wasn't quite Morgan yet, right? And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they lean into like kind of your redneck buddy next door who's a little wild, right? He Mm -hmm. cuts off the sleeves. He puts on the mullet. They put out that song with FGL, a little bit more party and it just clicks. And I think a lot of artists in town are like one click away. That's what's really fascinating about this. I've watched so many of my friends. We were talking about Lily Rose earlier. Like she was in town. She was a writer. She puts one song on TikTok, Boom. And it just changes everything. And it's like, It's amazing that it's one song away. It's also terrifying. It's like we're only one song away, so you just have to keep plucking along and chugging. Yeah, it's crazy.
4: And what has social media been like for you? It's a major tool for you, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, let's pick up in the story, right?
5: I moved to Nashville. I'm doing a little bit of, you know, posting on Instagram. I'm watching guys like Luke Combs and Kane Brown. I'm studying them because they're on Facebook and Vine. Mm -hmm. All that stuff. And I'm like, this is a real thing. Like, I don't feel like this is going away. And the crazy part is I'm watching these guys go sell out like 5,000 cap rooms. And I'm watching people with number ones, like not be able to sell hundred tickets. So I'm like, something's not adding up. Like this is real. I don't think people realize how real this is. So I'm, I'm getting better at Instagram and all these things. And that's right around when TikTok came, like to the picture, right? So um, my sister is spending a ton of time on this app. And I'm like, what are you on? Like is, it was musically and now it's TikTok. She's like, you should check it out. I'm like, I'm not a 13 year old girl who dances in a room. So it's probably <laughs> not for me. <laughs> And she was like, but what are they dancing to? You idiot. I was like, oh, it's music. And I realized it's actually a music app. That's what it is. Like it's, it's people using music in whatever forms, but it is music. So I got on there in like late 2019, kind of before it was hot. And I had built some sort of following. So when COVID happened, the world shuts down. I just happened to already be posting three times a day on the, what ended up being the biggest app in the world. And you can't plan that you can't like there was really no strategy like oh yeah the world will end and I'll just be in the right place it was just I saw some attention some real eyeballs and ears in this place and I just shifted some of my focus and then I got lucky you know I had a song kind of do really well and then I had a few songs do really well and that's opened up so many doors I can't imagine I'm a completely independent artist so Mm -hmm. I don't have a record label Mm -hmm. and I can go out and you know sell 1800 tickets in my hometown and I think we just hit like 350 million career streams, no radio, no label, just the internet. So for me, it's not just like a part of it, it's, it's everything and it's really connected me to my people. I think that's what's so freaking cool about the internet is you can find your people, even if you're niche, you can find hundreds of thousands of people in your niche, which is crazy. So I'm crazy thankful for it and I, I can't imagine where I'd be without it.
4: Do you think your career would be totally different at this point if there was no such thing as a TikTok or an Instagram or Twitter? Yeah. TikTok is your is your main following. You have mo- a couple of million yeah. followers on TikTok, right? Yeah, so five, two and six, something like that. Yeah, it's Nobody
3: it's crazy.
5: It. <laughs> a few, a few humans. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, it's it's really crazy. Like, I don't take that for granted. Like, even that number, I can't really even process that number, right? What does that even mean, right? Like, millions of people. Um. I don't know what a world looks like without the internet today. I like do people, I guess I would just be playing on Broadway, praying to God that like Mike Dungan's eating lunch at the right time when I'm singing a song that I sound good on. Like that's how people were discovered. And now it's really cool. Cause I can lay real bricks of my career as I go. Mm-hmm. And it's something that nobody can take away from me. So even if I sign tomorrow and I'm dropped a year later, whatever, right? Nightmare scenario. I still have real fans who are streaming real music coming out to real shows. So that's pretty special.
4: Do you feel like that allows you to be who you are as well? Because you've heard artists throughout the years. Maybe you probably know some people or maybe they'll sign something with a label. And a year later, they're totally different. They're like, I don't even know what I've been writing last year or performing because oh, they, they try to transform somebody. And we've seen it in movies and shows, mm-hmm. whatever, into a totally different person that they just picture in their mind that they can sell, make them money and this and that. So. With social media now, and this is why I'm so glad that we can do this podcast as well, is you we can talk about being independent nowadays. Mm-hmm. You can survive so much easier. Not, I don't know if easier is the right word, but you know what I mean? Than you were 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's night and day. And for a
5: guy like me, the difference is, like, if I want to put out a song, if I tease a song tonight and it gets, let's like have a fun scenario, gets 20 million views. It's like mm-hmm. my driver's license or something, right? Mm-hmm. I can put it out tomorrow. Boom. Done. I have a a ton of friends who unfortunately through one way or another, there's so many cooks in their kitchen. So the second that they feel something on the internet, the response time can be six months. And then by then all the momentum's gone away. So it's a weird world that we live in where I think even the labels and even label artists will have to slowly adjust to the speed and the like response time of the internet now. So I'm lucky because if I want to put something out, I can put something out. It can sound however I want it to sound. And the album art can look how it looks and the video can look how I want it to look. Now there's pros and cons. I don't have, you know, massive teams of people helping me with this. I have an amazing manager, Jeff. We have an awesome PR team. I have an agent at Willie Morris. I just signed a publishing deal, which is really exciting. But at the end of the day, I'm wearing... 12 hats on any if any given day. I'm going yeah. over my own finances. Like that's not, a lot of people are just like, I'm taking the big loan out from the label. Whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, if I don't have X thousands of dollars to take the bus out, we don't go out. You know, that's a different way to run a business. And then it's hard not to let the art and the commerce feel like they're one thing. So you got to make the art in a vacuum and then try to market it like it's a business. It's It's a very weird place to be and I don't think a lot of people um, have ever done this before. This is kind of a newer idea. So there's not a lot of like, there's not a textbook. There's right. not a lot of friends that even that I can call. There's like very few of us left um, in this independent game. And it's a, uh, it's a beast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a grind for you. I'm sure. Yeah. And it's so freeing in some ways because I get to make music that I want to make and put it out when I want to put it out. So there's these, these pros and cons and, grass is always greener one day i wake up i'm like i gotta sign man what am i yeah. doing i'm an idiot i gotta go to country radio and then the next day i'm like oh my god i could have never put out that song and like i'm so lucky i'm not signed somewhere you know
4: so it's like a it's a weird time to be a uh, an artist have and then you, an independent artist have you been tempted have you been approached and offered or anything like that and you've kind of said no maybe now is not the right time yeah i mean there's been record deals on the table and stuff
5: i i always I think record deals or even record labels, it's kind of like getting married. Like we all want to get married. You want to find the love of your life. You want to find the label that gets you. But I don't want to sign to sign. I don't want to sign because my friends are signing. And I don't want to sign because I'm afraid to not sign. Right? Just like getting married. You don't want to get married to get married. You don't want to get married because you're not. So at a certain point, some of that is out of my control. I can keep talking to people. I can keep making the connections. But the reality is someone's going to come along who, one, understands this is not 1990. Okay. We need to draft some record deals that are creative and that give me the freedom that the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I have freedom. So allow me to continue to make the music I want to make and put it out in the way that I want to make it or put it out. Excuse me. Um, but when it comes time to pour gasoline on the fire of a song, what does that look like? How are they compensated? I think there's a way to do all those things. Um, We're just still in talks. We're still kind of like figuring out what that means. And in the meantime, I got to do what I can do to keep moving because the last thing you want to do is get so caught up in the political machine of Nashville Mm -hmm. that the reason that everything's working goes away, which is the fans. And it's not like, you know, you hear fans first is like such a catch all or like a buzzword thing for me. It's not even fans first. It's fans is everything because without fans, I don't have anything. I don't have the label to prop me up when a song is not working. The song has to work and the only way a song works is for it to get streams. The only way it gets streams is real fans and real people that we love and we treat and we, we feed, we give them something that they, that adds value to their life. So that's what I can control. Um, the other stuff, like I can't, I can't call somebody and, you know, hold them hostage till they give me the right deal. I, it's, it's gotta be the right fit. Just like a marriage, you find somebody and it's two people who feel like they're getting away with something like, I can't believe I get
4: to work with this person. Yeah. That's how it should feel. I just haven't, I haven't felt that yet. Do you have an idea of what that might feel like? Because I, I love the marriage comparison. Mm-hmm. And I'm not married myself, but I have that. You know, all my, a lot of my friends are married now. They have kids now. And totally. I am like, and I feel that pressure. I should be there. But then I mm-hmm. remind myself, well, no, dude, you're doing what you need to do right now. It's okay. And it'll all come when, it, when you know it. So do you feel like you have an idea of what it might be? Or is it one of those just like maybe falling in love where you're like, you know what? When you know, you know kind of thing. I think it's like falling in love. I think it's going to be...
5: When it happens, it happens. When you know, you know. Mm -hmm. And the pressure of, you know, I'm not married, right? So I feel that same pressure. I actually just went to three weddings in one week. I don't recommend it. Um, (laughs) Denver, Maui, Denver. Um, And it was super fun, right? And I have half my friends are married, engaged, pregnant. And there's an obvious pressure in my head, at least, I feel Mm -hmm. this way, to go get married. I feel the same way in this town. I have so many of my best friends who are signed to the biggest labels and doing all these things. But I just, I know that I can't force it and that there's some patience involved because the reality is I'd rather be married one or two or three or five years less but be married for 60 years than rush into something yep. and it not work out or not work out the way I want it to or it's just a constant grind. And like like marriage, uh, record label is just the start. It's not like you get married and that's some sort of finish line. Mm-hmm. I always say like, signing a record deal is like getting your jersey like cool go play like it does you don't have a number one you don't have more people showing up tomorrow than today it's just putting you in the right situation with the right people and reality is i'm a business owner i have a small business they're a big business if they see that it is fortuitous of them to acquire my small business and we work together that's great if not i'm going to keep building my business and control what i can control
4: I always, there's a meme, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's one of those, I don't, how old are you? 28. Okay, I'm 32. So I always think of it and I laugh when I see it. I'm like, I've just, I've skipped my first divorce. That's all, right? (laughs) So you skipped your first label breakup. Let's go. That's it. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us. I like to tell myself that every time I like (laughs) remind myself. I'm like, yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay, I've needed that. Thank you. Yeah, so use that for motivation next time you need it. Thank you. I gotcha.
0: (laughs) Hey, it's Bobby Bones.
3: or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: You talk about your fans a lot. They mean Mm -hmm. everything. You have a community text line of over 35,000 people. Yeah. I've seen this with artists, especially independent artists. Yeah. Can you explain, because I don't know exactly what this, I mean, obviously it's a text line, but what is this, and how does this, as an artist, how do you handle this? and Are you really responding to fans? Because I think a lot of people don't really know exactly what it is. So I want to hear it from your point of view.
5: Yeah, there's a good and a bad way to use it. Like the reality is um, the texting list is just so much more superior to email lists and some of these other ways to get a hold of fans because at least for me, um, if I get a text, I'm going to see it immediately. I'm going to open it. um, And the the open and response rates are like astronomically higher than an email, right? So everyone like wants to sign up for an email, but then they never even see it. Mm -hmm. It just gets buried in our like, Adidas promo or like Ray Bans or whatever, right? You just get so much spam. So the the theory of text um, text message list is that it's a way better, more direct way to reach your fans. The reality is, a lot of people use it as like sell, 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 sell. So like every time you have something coming out, it's like new song, new song, new song, or merch, 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 or tickets, tickets, tickets. And I try to use it as more like a line to show my people. So we'll like just send unreleased demos. I'll just send a selfie, be like, yo what up? I'm golfing today. What are you doing? (laughs) Okay. And make it feel more like a friend is texting you. So that by the time I, you know, I'm not going to not ask, like I'm still going to go, Hey, I got a song coming out, but hopefully by then you don't feel bugged. You Mm -hmm. don't feel like annoyed. Um, so that's, that's the dream. And and the reality is 35,000 people. If even 10% of those people go and pre-save a song, that's a game changer for us. Um, in a TikTok world, in a Instagram world, it's so hard to reach your people now, which feels counterintuitive to me and I think someone's got to solve this but it's like I have 2.7 million followers I'll post a TikTok that somehow gets like 2,000 views and I'm like how does this math right. math it doesn't so, but the text list is the perfect example of those are people who said no I actually do want to always see it right it's like basically saying I want to be at the top of your algorithm no matter what let me know when something's coming let me know when when you're working on something so that's what it's for and it's it's actually been a huge game changer for us and what's that phone number? 615-358-7729. <laughs> there you go, man. That's are my you... QVC voice. Uh, text now at 615-358-7729. And I'm going to text everybody back that texts me today. And I'll prove to you that I am actually texting people. Because I actually do. I sit down probably 30 minutes in the morning, like 30 minutes at night, and just have conversations. And the crazy part is people come to shows and be like, yo, I've been texting you. I'm like, I know. I know your name. Like, I know who you are. So it's really, it's really yeah. It's like, I think a lot of people, even myself, underestimate the value of like one-to-one relationships with fans. Like we all want a million fans, but what would it look like to have 10,000 fans that you like actually talk to or that you actually add value to their life? Like that's a different level, I
4: think. It's almost like a more personal form of social media. Absolutely. Right. That's M- a great way to put it. More of a one-on-one, hey, get to know you. So uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Like I said, I've seen artists, mm-hmm. bands have this text line and I've never really done it because I don't really know what it is. So yeah. that's that makes you, as a fan, you feel a lot better as a fan. You're like, Hey, I actually know Spencer. I hope so. That's the buddies now.
5: And that's, that's, I try to do that on all my socials, which is like, how do I give you something that is music related, but then how do I like show you what lights me up or what breaks my heart? You know, like I think the artists that I connect with, they're saying something deeper than just here is a single, here is an album. They're standing for something. They're, proud of themselves for doing something they're they're letting you in to their diary i think that's like what great artists do they'll go hey am i crazy to feel this way here's my diary and you go no you're not because i feel the same way right Mm -hmm. so that's the text list that's um stories that's you know even just posting on tiktok like when i post a song i hope i'm trying to give some sort of context of like here's why i hope this gives you value in your life you know if it's you're going through a breakup or you're you're
4: trying to figure out who you are. I hope this helps you in some way. And that's why music's the best. It is, dude. It's it's crazy. I mean, mean, there's a sad song. There's a happy song. There's a party song. There's Mm -hmm. anything you can think of, whatever emotion you're feeling that day or that hour or that minute, you can relate to it. And that's when I knew I wanted to get into music is I was in college and I'm feeling these things, but I
5: don't know how to say it almost, right? Like you have this gap between how you feel and how, And the vocabulary you have to express it. Mm -hmm. And the gift we give as artists or as creatives or as songwriters is to bridge the gap between how we feel and how we don't know how to say it. So like when someone says, "Um, drunk me, can't get over you, right? That's like a great song. Mm -hmm. Or like insert any of your favorite songs. There's usually a little light bulb that goes off. You're like, whoa, that's how I feel. And I didn't even know how I felt. Or I didn't even know how to say it like that. And I think that's when I was like, whoa, if I could give that gift to anybody, like, that's magic. Like I said, it's free drugs, like,
4: and it's good drugs. It's right. not, not even destructive. <laughs> right. What about, I got to ask since we're on the subject here, I had Shaylin in a, f- yeah. a few episodes ago. So that's how I actually saw you for the first time. Cool. She so rocks. Doing some, you know, homework on her before we sat down mm-hmm. and saw you guys a song together. And you quoted this song, the song to be continued. That's what it's mm-hmm. called. And you quote it saying the booty call of 2023. <laughs> so is that the relation that we're we're having there? I saw that, I think, on TikTok or something yeah, like that, right? You
5: know, sometimes the hook is just meant to be uh, inflammatory. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, the booty call anthem, um, you know, it's real. Like, I, I think, I say this at my shows. I'm like, don't raise your hand, but if you've been through this, this one's for you. And sure enough, someone will be like, this is me. They'll raise their hand, they'll out themselves. But everyone's, you know, if you've broken up with somebody and you really care about them, it's really hard to just like let it be. I think a lot of us go through this like back and forth and maybe it'll work out. Okay, maybe we both figured ourselves out. And so then there's the like, Come hang out, come whatever, right? Like we've all been there. So we, uh, me and Shay had to had to deliver the booty call anthem of 2023. It just had to be done. I love it.
4: I, I love it. I mean, you're giving me flashbacks just yeah, bringing exactly. that up right now. Exactly. I'm like, I know exactly Like war flashbacks. Yes, exactly. exactly. I'm PTSD. like, dang, five years later, I'm still thinking about it. Dang, it sucks. Uh, let's do something real off music a little bit. You're yeah. from Denver. Mm-hmm. I'm a big sports guy. You're a big sports guy. We're not gonna talk about the Broncos. But we will talk about the Nuggets. That. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Real quick. I just want to sum it up. Um, we're As we close this out pretty soon here. I mean, what was that like for you? First one. I, I was happy for you guys. Awesome team. So what was that like for you as a fan?
5: Dude, I've been a Nuggets fan. I've been a Denver sports fan my entire life. Grew up in Denver. So like there's been years where the Broncos are really great and that feels good. The Nuggets have never been good exactly. my entire life. And even when we were like, okay, like I remember one year we made it, we lost like the first round of the playoffs and um, George Carl was given coach of the year and fired that same year. Like that's just the story of the nuggets. We've been kind of a mess in, in many ways for so many years. So for me, I mean, I've watched so many nuggets games, so many seasons. My dad like never misses a Denver sports game ever. Um, And just never even thought it was possible. And then over like, even like the bubble year, we Mm -hmm. got like close and you started to look good. And Jamal gets hurt and you're like, Oh man, We're just going to be out of it for a long time. So for me, uh, I went to a finals game, even though we lost. And it's like one of my favorite memories ever. Like I went with one of my best friends and just the energy in that place felt like this. It's so cool to be with a team from terrible to good. Mm -hmm. Like that is such a special feeling. So just... We love you, Joker. Don't go anywhere ever. We love you, Jamal. Don't go anywhere ever. Really special man.
4: That team was a lot of fun to watch. I'm a Celtics fan. I'm a boss. My dad's from back east, but uh, as a Celtics fan, I mean, as soon as we got bounced in um, the Eastern Conference Finals, there, I was like, okay, Denver's going to win. And I was honestly, I was a little nervous just to play you guys because you guys were just well, I was nervous to
5: play you guys honestly. Like when the Heat won, I was like, cool, this matchup is way better. Like I, I feared the Celtics so. It all worked out. We got that ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a forty-seven year drought.
4: Nothing. It's, a, yeah. just, just, it's a just a little one. <laughs> just a little one. So I'll be happy for you there. I can't root for your Broncos. I'm sorry. Oh, that's as fine. a Patriots fan. I just can't do. We're that. We're terrible. It'll <laughs> probably be three years till we even have to have a conversation. Hey, Sean Payton that. should, That's definitely a step up.
5: But uh... I think we'll go five hundred this year, which would be a, which would be a step up. But yeah. I don't think as long as Patrick Mahomes <laughs> sits in the AFC West, mm-hmm. it is going to be a a tall order. The entire the AFC is loaded. Well, dude, I mean. Even the Chargers are sneaky good, yeah. and the Raiders are sneaky good. And yeah. now the Broncos have a Super Bowl winning quarterback, a Super Bowl winning head coach, and we still are
4: like the obvious last choice. That's how good our division is. Yeah, exactly, it's insane. But football's almost here, so I'm excited about that. I cannot wait. Same, same. All right. Well, Spencer, you got a new song out today, mm-hmm. actually called "Didn't Do," sir, with Cooper Allen. What is this song? Just talk about that real quick. And if you're listening to this, make sure you go stream after this is all done.
5: Yeah, give it a little streamy stream. Um, It's out everywhere. It's called Didn't Do with my buddy Cooper Allen. So I have tons of songs out and, and love songs and breakup songs, but on every album, I think I want some sort of song about like life just in general. And I want something that's like, especially on this last album that talked about kind of like the urgency of life. I find myself you know, it's so easy. Like today I was like, it's July, whatever. Like how, how is it already July? Right. And I lose the sense of urgency and it's like kind of, I think it's going to be one of my bigger regrets in life. If I, um, if I were to live this way is like, I didn't really realize how quick it's going to go. I didn't realize, you know, you don't get thousands of Christmases. You get like 80 if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. You get 80 summers if you're lucky. Like to live in the now and to really go for it because life is short, I think is like underrated. So I just started writing something in my phone one time. It was like, I think I literally wrote the first line of the the song. It's like, sometimes I catch myself living like I'll never die. And it's like, I just feel like I'm going to be down here forever. It's Just not true. So I just started writing out these lyrics, like kiss the girl, call your mom, do the thing. And, and all of a sudden I realized it's like that message is, I'd rather regret what I did than what I didn't do. I'd rather get to the end and be like, you know what? I tried. I tried everything. I went for my dreams. I tried to make the relationship work. I was always intentional with my brothers and sisters. And I think if you do that, hopefully you mitigate some of those regrets. So um, then I showed it to my buddy Coop and he freaked out. He was like, dude, I love this song. So we're two independent guys, you know, we're we're without labels. And there's something kind of like a chip on our shoulder to be like, we think this hit song and we're going to put it out together and, and try to make some magic happen. So it feels
4: really special to us. I like it. I like it. Well, look at that timing of it too. huh? drops today. I Where know. We get to sit good, down. This good. is great. Go check that out. Go check him out on Instagram and TikTok as well, at Spencer Crandall, correct? Okay. So, sure. And then he has over 300 million total global streams, 2.6 million followers on TikTok, but no big deal. It's all good. Spencer, <laughs> I really appreciate it, man. It's a lot Dude, of fun. thank
5: you so much. Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for listening to a BobbyCast production.